Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Smarty Pants, the podcast of the American Scholar magazine. I'm your host, Stephanie Bastak. Commodity histories are really sexy these days. I read books on cotton and sugar, and we've talked about tea before on the podcast, but I've never seen a book about sand. And I didn't really expect to because I didn't think of it as a commodity. In fact, I didn't think about sand at all, unless it got into my towel at the beach or into the shell of an oyster. Like water or air or soil, it seemed kind of limitless. But that is not the case. We are running out of sand. And that's a really bad thing, not just for beaches, but for buildings and glass and asphalts and computers and people, because the world is basically made of sand. That's the view that journalist Vince Beiser came around to. And his new book, The World in a Grain, is the story of our most overlooked commodity and how its overextraction is killing us. From the black sand markets of India to islands completely disappearing. Vince joins us in the studio to talk about the resource that makes our modern lives possible. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. But I never really thought of sand, period, let alone as a commodity. So quick review. What have I encountered that's made of sand today? So you are sitting right here. We are surrounded by sand. Um, this building is made at least partly out of concrete, just like practically every building in the world today. Every shopping mall and apartment block and office tower made mainly out of concrete. And what's concrete? Concrete is just sand and gravel that's been stuck together with cement. Wherever you are, just look out your window. Whatever buildings you see, that's just a huge pile of sand, thousands of tons of sand. All the roads that connect all those buildings, also made out of sand. The windows in those buildings, glass, is just sand that's been melted down. The silicon chips that power your computers, your cell phones, also made from sand. And the list goes on and on. I mean, those are sort of the big ticket items, but sand is also used to make paper. It's used in cosmetics. It's in toothpaste. It's the, the elastic band in your underwear made from sand. I love telling people that they've got sand in their underwear. <laughs> So, um, yeah, basically the nutshell is, no, without sand, we have no modern civilization. And this is a problem because we are starting to run out. So, I mean, where did the crisis happen? Because sand has been used for thousands of years, for a very, very long time to build stuff. Right. Absolutely. 
So what's happened is the reason it's becoming a problem is basically because of urbanization, right? There's more and more. We're building cities at a pace and on a scale that has never remotely happened before. So in 1950, worldwide, there was about 750 million people living in cities all over the world. Today, the number is about 4 billion, right? And that number is growing. We're, we're adding the equivalent of about eight New York cities every single year. So imagine every building, every road in New York City, we're adding that, building that much again, eight times over every single year. Wow. I mean, so where does the sand come from? Yeah, so that's the problem. So the sand, so everybody always says, how can we be running out of sand? Look at all that desert sand. Well, the problem is desert sand doesn't work for the things that we use it for. So the number one thing by far that we use sand for is concrete. Okay, that's like 80%. And desert sand doesn't work for concrete. Why? Because the grains are are the wrong shape. They're actually kind of rounded because they've been eroded by wind over millions of years. So they're too smooth and they're too round. Whereas the sand that you find on the bottom of rivers and on the bottom of lakes and on beaches and places like that, it's more kind of angular. It's got more corners and sharp edges. So it it locks together to make a a firm structure. So it's like the difference between trying to stack up a bunch of marbles and between trying to stack up a bunch of little bricks. So that means we have to get all that sand from, like I said, river bottoms, bottoms of lakes, places where rivers meet the ocean, which is beaches, some of it from the bottom of the ocean places like that. And the problem is there are a lot of other things living in those rivers and lakes and beaches. And, you know, they have a very hard time surviving when you start pulling thousands and thousands of tons of sand out of their habitat. So, I mean, what's the effect? Do these habitats disappear? Do they fall into sinkholes? I mean, paint a picture of what this looks like, because it's kind of hard to imagine like a beach disappearing. Yeah. But that it, happens. <laughs> it happens. It happens. So probably the 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 best source for sand, the easiest place to get it is is the bottom of rivers, all right? So it's it's really simple to do. You just send a boat out there, a small boat with a suction pump or it can be a huge dredge like, you know, the size of a 60-story apartment building. And mo- mostly they just drop a big pipe down, just like a big straw that just sucks up all the sand from the bottom of the river. So few problems with that. One is obviously anything that was living on that river bottom is gone, right? Any fish or shellfish or vegetation that was down there. Um, river bottoms are often spawning grounds, right? There were fish like to lay their eggs. Goodbye eggs, right? All those things have just been sucked up into that dredging boat. Second thing that happens is when you stir up the bottom like that, you stir up all that sand and the silt and the muck and whatever else is down there. And that clouds up the water, right? It, it turns it all murky, which can suffocate whatever was swimming around in that water, whatever fish and so on. And it also blocks the sunlight from getting through the water down to the vegetation that's below. So it can really just annihilate whatever was living in that river before. There's also impacts on human beings when you do that. There's a lot of rivers that have been dug so deeply that the banks have collapsed. So in places like Vietnam, and different parts of Africa, like whole buildings and farmers' fields and even chunks of whole villages have gone sliding right into rivers because of the sand mining that's gone on in them. So you went everywhere to research this book, Wisconsin, Dubai, China, Indonesia, Florida. I'm sure I'm forgetting one. What kinds of effects did you see firsthand on these communities, human and otherwise? Yeah, a bunch of different things. So um, each one of each trip, I was sort of focusing on on something different. 
So for instance, in Dubai, you know, you've probably seen those pictures of those crazy palm tree shaped islands that they have there. So those are all made out of sand. Those are just giant artificial pieces of real estate that are just made from sand they've scooped up off the bottom of the Persian Gulf and piled up to form beachfront real estate, right? And financially, it's amazing, right? They've made billions of dollars worth of hotels and resorts and luxury condos and stuff where there used to be nothing but open water. Unfortunately, underneath one of those islands, there used to be a coral reef that's now been completely buried. In Wisconsin, here in the United States, there's a really interesting thing going on with fracking sand. So fracking's where they go in in Texas and North Dakota, and you shoot down a mix of water and chemicals and sand to shatter underground rock and get so that oil and gas can flow through it. So it turns out you need a really particular kind of sand for that. It's got to be really hard and a particular shape. And that sand, there happens to be a whole lot of it in western Wisconsin. There's no oil or gas in Wisconsin, a lot of sand. So that fracking boom in Texas and North Dakota has created a frack sand mining boom in Wisconsin. And thousands of acres of forests and farmland are being torn up to get at this frack sand. A lot of people are really upset about that. A lot of concerns about what that's doing to the groundwater in these communities in Wisconsin, uh, to the air, because it, you send up a lot of uh, silica dust, which can be really toxic when it's inhaled. In Florida, another crazy thing, um, it turns out the beaches are disappearing, which turns out is something that's happening all over the world. Beaches are disappearing. Why? Because, well, beaches always erode naturally, right? The wind and the waves kind of uh, wash those grains out to sea. In the normal course of things, naturally those beaches would get replenished, right? More sand is brought down by, by rivers or by currents. But people are blocking both of those processes. We've built dams along rivers, and we've built so many jetties and marinas and, you know, stuff along the coasts that it blocks that flow of sand. So that natural erosion is continuing, but the natural replenishment does not. Mm. So the result is some of the most famous beaches in the world, Miami Beach, Fort Lauderdale, the natural beaches there are long gone. They've long since disappeared. And the only reason that there's sand there still is uh, they've been sucking up sand from the bottom of the ocean and just blasting it up onto the coast to fill out those beaches. They've been using so much sand that southern Florida has literally run out. There is no more ocean sand that they can tap to keep their beaches fat. So now they have to bring it in by truck. That's crazy. I mean, it's just nuts to think about, you know, the, the long and short-term effects not just the destruction of communities, but actual outright murder. Tell me about the sand black market. I mean, how how bad does it get? Yeah, it gets as bad as you can imagine. It sounds totally crazy, a black market in sand, but yeah, it exists. It's a multi-billion dollar criminal market. And it happens all over the world. There are dozens and dozens of countries, basically because there's so much demand for it that organized crime has gotten involved because there's so much money. They do what organized crime does everywhere. They bribe cops. They bribe, you know, government officials to leave them alone. And if you really get in their way, they will kill you. So in Kenya, in Indonesia, in Gambia, people have been tortured, kidnapped, and murdered over sand. But where it's really at its worst um, is in India. And this is where I really got started on the story. I was started out by investigating the, uh, the murder of this one particular guy, guy named Paliram Chohan, not because there was anything so exceptional about his killing, but actually because it was kind of typical. 
So he was a guy, a farmer living in a village just about an hour south of Delhi. And Delhi is, you know, one of those cities that's just growing like crazy, right? So there's huge demand for sand to build all those buildings and roads and highways and everything else. So one day, um, a bunch of crooks, they call them the sand mafia in India. So these guys showed up, just seized about 200 acres of the village's land, ripped up all the crops, stripped away all the topsoil, and started digging up the sand to sell to developers in Delhi. So this guy, Paliram Chohan, was a bit of a leader in his village, and he sort of tried to you know, get folks together and get these guys to stop. And they went to the courts, they went to the media, went to everybody they could think of. There he was doing everything he could to try to get the sand mafia to stop. They wouldn't stop. But eventually, they sort of took him aside and said, look, you're really starting to annoy us. You're starting to interfere with business here. Cut it out or else. But he didn't stop. In fact, he went and reported that threat to the police. A few days later, three guys burst into his house and shot him dead in his own bed. And this kind of thing has happened. I mean, hundreds of people have been murdered in India over sand mining. It's just local folks trying to protect their own land, journalists investigating this stuff, police trying to shut them down, government officials trying to, you know, get in their way. Sometimes it's fighting in between sand gangs, you know, just like battles between drug gangs here. So, yeah, it's it's amazing to think. But indeed, there's so much money in it now that it's created this huge and deadly black market. Aren't there regulations, though, against, you know, unfettered sand mining, even in India, even in, you know, the outskirts of Delhi? Yeah, so there definitely are. I mean, India actually has really good environmental laws on the books. Right. The problem is getting those laws enforced, mm-hmm. right? There's so much corruption in the system. You know, it doesn't take much. You just have to spread around a little cash, you know, to the local cop and to the local, you know, whatever government officials in charge of monitoring what you're doing, and they'll pretty much leave you alone. I mean, it's a really open secret in India. And in fact, I talked to, when I was there, I talked to a guy, uh, you know, a, a guy in the local government in this area whose job it is to do exactly this kind of thing, to shut down illegal sand mines. And he says he tries his best, but he often doesn't because him and his guys get threatened and they get shot at. So like I say, I mean, it's it's definitely at its worst in India, as far as I can tell. But the same kind of thing happens in a bunch of different countries all over the world. Not It's really not a, that big a problem here in the U.S. There is a little bit of illegal sand mining here and there. But, um, but yeah, in a lot of developing countries, it's a really major problem. Right. But I mean, even in the U.S. with the, the regulation we have, sometimes it isn't enough to actually conserve the areas that have been impacted by sand mining. Yeah, absolutely. So there's two things. So one is, um, first of all, flat out just, you know, illegal mining does happen. Um, This incident that just happened up in New York where they caught somebody on Long Island who had gone and dug an illegal sand pit, like dug, you know, several truckloads of sand up from an area that was protected, sold it in Manhattan to developers, and then brought back a bunch of toxic waste and dumped that and filled up the hole with that. So it's a two for environmental crime. Then there's kind of like sort of gray market crime, right? Where like maybe a company has the right to uh, to mine, you know, maybe a mile wide and 10 feet deep. And they just kind of sort of accidentally go two miles wide and 50 feet deep. Hmm. And this happens a lot more than you'd think. Like there's, they, there's sand mining in the San Francisco Bay. There's a big... Uh, international sand and gravel mining operation that has a permit 
to mine sand out of the bay, which they're still doing. And they were fined about $42 million just a few years ago because they had gone way over their permitted amount. And then, of course, like you said, there's also a lot of question. Well, are the rules that, that exist, are they adequate? Are they doing enough to protect waterways and uh, you know other areas where it's happening? And, of course, a lot of people would say no. I mean, in, in Europe, for instance, in a lot of parts of Europe, in France and Italy and a few other countries, they've banned river sand mining completely because of all the damage that it causes. But here in the U.S., we still have river sand mining. So, I mean, what's the way forward? We're going to run out of sand, it sounds like, if things keep going apace. So what's the solution? How do you, you know, allow people to live in sturdy houses while also making sure that we don't destroy all the sand beneath our feet? Right, right. So that's a great question. And there's sort of two, I have kind of two levels of, of answer to that. One is, first of all, um, we can, there are, there are ways that we can substitute sand, that we can use less sand. There's a lot of research going on about, around ways to, to make concrete that uses less sand or that uses other materials like shredded plastic or bamboo or these kinds of things. Uh, hemp, believe it or not. And there's other research going on around ways to make concrete last longer so it doesn't have to be replaced as often. So that's all to the good. Those kind of technological fixes, I think, I think can help. But the only real solution in my mind is, is to kind of reframe the question. The question isn't really, how can we deal with this problem of sand, the problem that we're using too much sand? Sand is the most abundant thing in the world. There's more of it than anything else. And if we're using that stuff up, which we are, that should really tell us something. And it really, what it tells us is that's, it's really just a symptom of the bigger problem, right? Like we know we're using too much water, right? We're cutting down too many trees. We're taking too many fish out of the ocean, right? All these are just are symptoms of the same problem, which is just that we consume too much, right? We're just flat out using way more natural resources than the planet can sustain. And we could get away with that when it was only, you know, us here in the in the Western world that were living, you know, this kind of lifestyle where people have houses and their own cars and they drive to shopping malls. But now we're in a world where billions of people are getting that lifestyle. And they have every right to, of course. But we've got to figure out a way to build our cities and live our lives in a way that's more sustainable, right? In a way where we not only use less sand, but we use less of everything, right? That's that's the only real long-term solution is just to figure out a way to, uh, you know, to make our, our lives for everybody sustainable on a planet that's soon going to have 10 billion people on it. Right. I mean, were there any hopeful stories or examples you found in your research? Did you go to any places where you're like, ah, yes, you know, formerly... They had whole beaches disappear, but now they're doing everything right. No. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could say so. But, I mean, here's the thing about sand is most people just never even think about it, right? Most people, and the idea that there's a shortage of sand coming and that there's environmental damage that's being done by sand, like, this was complete news to me when I started this research, you know, three years ago. I'd never even heard about this, never even thought about it. And that goes for most people everywhere, right? Including, you know, people in the construction industry, in the mining industry, and in the environmental movement. I was really surprised when I started digging into this that basically none of the big environmental organizations have this on their radar. 
the usual suspects that you would think would be sounding the alarm about this aren't or are just starting to sort of clue into it. So that's that's part of why people haven't really come up with any really great solutions. And there's definitely bright spots. Like I said, in Europe, they've banned river sand mining. Here in the U.S., well, we used to do beach sand mining, where we would just strip beaches bare. There is one beach sand mine left in the entire United States. It's just north of Monterey. That's a case where, where the good guys did win. That sand mine is now going to be shut down in the next couple of years. But definitely, we've got a long way to go. We didn't even get a chance to talk about the history of how we've used sand, from the pyramids at Giza to the Hubble telescope. So for more on that, check out Vince Beiser's book, The World in a Grain. We'll be back next week. Till then, take care and stay sharp. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.